0: Tennessee Walks, from Memphis to Bristol, from the legislature to the back roads. Barroom banter on all things Tennessee, the finest state in the Union. And now to your hosts, Luke Elliott and Duncan Ng. (laughs) The night they were
1: playing, the beautiful Oh,
0: not much, Luke. I uh, enjoyed my Sunday down here and made me a mint julep to celebrate the first day of spring, which was yesterday from a mint plant a lady friend got me. So I got to use my own fresh mint. So I've been having a great day.
1: Well, that doesn't sound too bad. And thank God it's spring. You know, we had some snow in Nashville I guess it was a few weeks ago, and I don't particularly enjoy that.
0: I don't blame you. I don't either.
1: I'm uh, much more partial to warm mint julep and rocking chair weather. Right, and so you don't get any snow down there in Mobile. All y'all have is tornadoes and hurricanes. Yeah, and a lot
0: of hurricanes if last year is any indicator, but hopefully there won't be as many this year. I am ready to be back out on the beach, though, I tell you that. Yeah, I don't think
1: I want to see you on the beach, but I hope you enjoy <laughs> it. Well, thank you for that. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the Butcher Brothers Banking Empire in East Tennessee. And this is something we've kind of meant to talk about because it's it had... Wide implications for people in East Tennessee and across the state, and the reason why we're talking about this today is because a couple of weeks ago, I was driving in Green Hills over here, and I saw this escalade, this nice brand new escalade come barreling into me, oh, and Lord, about knocked me halfway down the street and it wasn't it wasn't bad you know nobody was hurt it was about 11 at night and this old fella gets out and he was very polite there was about six older folks in the car and i was glad to see older folks out right because they've been sitting in their house for a year and so it was obvious they had been to dinner or something that night and so i I didn't want to call the police or anything. He just, he hit me and I said, well, just give me your insurance and we'll get on our way. And I looked this guy up and he was 82 year old Arnold Tackett, who was a close associate of the Butcher Brothers in Knoxville. And that kind of got me started down this rabbit hole of looking into that interesting story. And, you know, the Butcher brothers, they were credited, particularly Jake, Jake Butcher, who I believe is now deceased. Just a couple of years ago, I believe. Yeah. And he was credited for bringing the World's Fair to Knoxville, which was a really big deal. Reagan was there, Ronald Reagan. And my family was there. They opened up the UT dorms to let everybody stay in in 1982 it was a really good display of tennessee and tennessee culture and duncan and i went to ut so we went to the sun spear a few times which i don't know why they let us back there we had a few functions there and it's a great place beautiful beautiful tower golden tower But I'm not sure why they let fraternities (laughs) have their parties there. Because it was
0: was a a great venue. And, I mean, I had a lot of fun there. You know, I believe it was our freshman year. We had our first parents weekend there. And uh, my mom and dad came up for that one. But, yeah, I I can't say as I uh, recollect too much uh, about that evening. But
1: as it turns out, you know, the Butcher brothers were – a total fraud, and this World's Fair was pretty much built on lies, even though it was a great thing for the city in the long run. It had some financial implications. I think the city ended up losing a fair amount of money off of it, but I guess you were going to tell us about the Butcher Brothers a little bit. You had looked into it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to talk a little bit about the
0: case, but before I do, I was just going to say that... In Knoxville, you know, we still have World's Fair Park and the Sun Sphere and a lot of the stuff in that park is a holdover from that World's Fair. And it was not a quick fair like we think of them today because it actually lasted from May all the way till the 1st of November or October 31st of 1982. So it was a long span of time that that was going and it was a huge thing for Tennessee. But in regard to the Butcher Brothers, I'll cover a little bit about the case itself. The Butcher Brothers owned some 27 banks that held billions of dollars in assets in Upper East Tennessee, not just Knoxville, uh, but also Claiborne County and areas around Upper East Tennessee. And the deal was there had roughly been Three to four, between three and four hundred separate cases filed in regard to these 27 different banks. But because of the way the banking industry works and the different agencies and regulations, they never really got put together until a man by the name of Sterling Owen, who was an accountant. And an FBI special agent got assigned to the case. And so he started looking at the case. And it's actually interesting after all this was said and done and some years down the road, he became the chief of police for Knoxville. But he started looking into the Butcher brothers and the case after a very short amount of time got moved to major case status uh, within the FBI. And they codenamed it Mayban. And that was short for Maynardville bankers because that's where the Butcher brothers were from was Maynardville. But what they were doing is in those days, according to agent Owen, you know, there were three kinds of people in town that everybody looked up to and it was their preacher, their doctor and their banker. Those were very illustrious professions. And so What people were doing, and I should point out that the Butcher Brothers targeted working class, generally not well-educated people. And they preyed upon them and took advantage of them because there were some people that they tried to target who were wise to their scheme and wouldn't have anything to do with them. But what they would do is they would have these people sign their names to a blank loan form and leave it with them, and they would fill it out as need be uh, sometimes. Other times what they would do, people would come in and get loans, say, to start a business, and say they needed $20,000 to start a business. The Butcher Brothers would say, well, we're going to invest in your business because we think it's such a great idea, so why don't you get this $40,000 loan, and we're going to invest the other 20000 in bank stock." And they would make that a stipulation of the loan. And a lot of times what would happen was these people would think they had, you know, $50,000 in loans when in actuality on paper, they had $100,000 in loans and they could never pay it back. And they didn't agree to it either. So it was really terrible for working class people because there was no way out for them. And actually, uh, out of the 27 banks the Butcher Brothers had, at least one of them was not insured by the FDIC. So when they got convicted and prosecuted, every nickel that had been in that bank that people had deposited was gone and they couldn't get it. Kind of like what happened with the Great Depression when the banks shut down. And so all those hardworking rural people lost everything. But in regard to the case there were, once it was elevated to major case status, they had 35 data entry employees working on it, four administrative employees and nine FBI special agents just for this one case in East Tennessee. And they brought in people from all over the country because the butcher brothers, as we've kind of alluded to, were extremely powerful people politically. They were well respected in the community. Jay Butcher would fly from a helicopter from his mansion into the airport in Knoxville to conduct his business that he had there during the day. And he was personal friends with President Jimmy Carter. He was uh, a former finance head for the Democratic National Committee at the national level. And he even ran for governor against Lamar Alexander at one point and was big buddies with Ray Blanton. Imagine that.
1: Right. Right. So he was he was right after Blanton. Right. Right. And he was that was a a good crowd, wasn't
0: it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A notorious crowd, to say the least. But essentially, also, by the way, I forgot to mention this. A sideline for the Butcher Brothers and a lot of the people in the upper echelons of their banks was the cocaine industry. I found out through my research that a lot of the money they would do these loans with, they were using it to purchase cocaine in large quantities and were helping deal it around uh, East Tennessee and other areas, which is just
1: crazy to me. I just can't believe something like that would be around East Tennessee. I know. I know. Can you imagine?
0: But what they would do is, when they gave these loans to these people that they could never pay back, the oversight agency there was would come in and they would look at them and they would say, well, these loans aren't tenable because a lot of the collateral that's been put up was either fraudulent or was not worth near as much as they said it was on paper. And so they would threaten the bank about doing these loans And so what they would do is as soon as they left, the Butcher Brothers would use their networks of banks to trade stock with each other's banks and circle the money back around and pay off the loan with it, which is one reason why it took them so long to catch on to this scheme, because they were just trading money between 27 different financial institutions that was under four or five different oversight agencies who didn't communicate with one another.
1: Right. And that it, that's it was, an issue that has been improved as time has gone on. And they were probably, it's my understanding that they were intrastate okay. securities, which means that they were only dealt in the state of Tennessee. And so you had to have communication between the Tennessee regulators and the federal regulators. and, That type of stuff has improved. You know, you wonder if something like this could happen today. I don't, basically, they were just running a big pyramid scheme. Yeah, and, and that's what it was. Essentially, it was
0: what people do with shell companies, only it was all within the banking industry in a localized area. So it was really pretty crazy. And we forget, we're talking about 1982, I think, They actually went to trial and got convicted in 84. This is before the age of technology, computers, stuff like that. Most of this stuff was on paper and done on paper. And so documents could get lost. Stuff could be forged. There was no database, no way to actually check all that unless you manually did it, which is why I pointed out the number of people the FBI brought in for this one case 35 data entry employees. That's just 35 people recording the data. I mean, that's crazy, but it's because it was all paper. Push cards full of thousands and thousands of sheets of paper.
1: And, and probably, probably with fraudulent numbers. You know, you got to think today that the auditors would pick something like this up. At least I hope so. Yeah, hope so. yeah at least we would hope so. But what you were saying about these working class people having loans that they essentially didn't know about. One would have to think if a loan were issued today that you could keep track of it on an online portal. So it's really unfortunate that back then everything was on paper and, you know, they, they were probably, I guess getting sent fraudulent statements on the balance of their loan Actually, I think they were getting accurate
0: statements, but their view was, I didn't get take this money, so I'm not paying it. And the saddest part about all of this stuff is, when this case was finally over, the courts ruled that every loan that had an authentic signature had to be paid in full. So it caused tons of these people to have to file for bankruptcy because it completely ate up everything they had worked for
1: their entire lives. And you got to think that the Butcher brothers had a bit of an influence over the courts in that area. If it was tried in East Tennessee, which I think it was. Also, the
0: FBI agents even had a secret off-site area to do all this. Because they didn't even want the local FBI agents who had grown up in the same area as the Butcher brothers to know exactly what was going on.
1: Right. And these were influential members of the community. I mean, as you said, they were personal friends with Jimmy Carter, who I met one time. And that was awesome. Jimmy Carter is a good guy. Don't agree with him politically, but he's a good man. He's a good old peanut farmer from Georgia. Right. And it also, you know, Jake had ran for governor. I mean, you you have to think that they had an unbelievable amount of influence on the people around them, which is why the scheme probably was dragged out for so long. Right.
0: That's the thing is the FBI agent Sterling Owen made the comment that he was told, if you go forward with this, you better go for the headshot because you've got to take these people down or they will come after you politically. So also on the other hand, that's probably why the local people trusted them so much because they saw them as such what appeared to be wealthy, upstanding members of the community. Of course, I believe Jake ended up filing for bankruptcy. He had $40 million and outstanding liabilities that he couldn't pay. I think after all this was said and done, but the other thing was the FBI agent, agent Owen made the comment that the first person he interviewed about the case laughed at him when he said they were, what they were investigating because they said, you'll never get anything on the butcher brothers,
1: but they did. Yeah, they did. And they all went bankrupt them and all their friends including that fella that totaled my car the other night, which I was not happy about because I had just had it repaired. But he was a nice enough fella. I guess he's made his money back because he was driving a brand-new Escalade, and I don't know if he had it financed or what. I don't know why an 82-year-old needs a brand-new Escalade. But, yeah, these these were definitely interesting people. So I guess we can thank the Butcher brothers for their – legacy of the sun sphere you know we've all enjoyed that but it's kind of a reminder of the turbulent past of east tennessee politics which is i think you can truly find the most interesting tennessee political figures in east tennessee and you know i i got a bit of a theory i I don't know what i'm talking about because i'm just a young man But anyways, I think that maybe what ultimately did the Butcher brothers in was that they were Democrats in Republican territory and East Tennessee back in the day. And it still is. But Knoxville is, you know, Knoxville as a city is blue now. And the party labels really mean nothing uh, in today's terms, because you had Dixiecrats and stuff like that. But I bet there were a fair amount of Republicans in that area who were cooperating with the FBI to take the Butcher Brothers down because they were a Democratic machine up there. And once Ray Blanton went down, I bet that really shot him in the leg. I agree with you on that. And the thing is, they were
0: tied in with Ray Blanton too. So his downfall probably caused them a fair amount of trouble as well. So definitely not a good place to be a Democrat in East Tennessee. Uh, they've been Republicans since Abraham Lincoln, unlike most of the rest of the state.
1: Right. And we're not trying to get partisan here. And I think a lot of people don't understand that the Republican Party, especially in that area, used to be a lot different. But it it is interesting that that may have played a key role in them going down. I would say so, especially
0: because they weren't even from Knoxville proper. They were from out in the rural parts of that area. So even more probably Republican anti-highfalutin big city people to their mind. I thought it was interesting. Agent Owen mentioned that his issue car for when he was the agent on this case mirrored uh, one of the mining enforcement agencies. And apparently in the rural parts of that area in that day and age, illegal mining was quite a thing. And he noted how people did not want to cooperate with him at first because they thought he was a mining agent. And then after they figured out he wasn't a mining agent, he was an FBI agent. They still didn't want to cooperate with him because he wasn't a Claiborne County homeboy
1: because that's where the Butcher brothers were from was Claiborne County actually. Right. Those are very tight knit counties and, you do not want to be an outsider strolling in hot over there. Cause they're going to wonder what the hell you're up to. I don't blame them. Anyways, the real tragedy of all this is the blue collar people that, like you said, lost the money on the loans and were forced to pay back. I, I think you had mentioned that there are banks that weren't FDIC insured, which is unfortunate. But anyway, it's a really, really strange story and a pretty interesting one. And it just goes to show what we've always known is you can't trust everybody and you got to you got to really look into stuff. That's a
0: good, if not rather vague way to put it. But I, I, I do completely agree with you. I mean, you never know. Even people you look up to, like your banker, your lawyer, a local judge whomever, you just never know. Sometimes you just never know. And it's, it's really heartbreaking. Like you said, and like I mentioned about those people, the blue collar people that didn't have much to begin with, who end up paying for all this in the end, end up having to foot the bill. And I, I, I wish there was some way to quantify the effect that that's had on people and families in that area up to this day because they got completely wiped out. And
1: rural East Tennessee is not a well-off place. You need to watch your mouth on that. You're going to get shot. You start talking like that. Uh, <laughs> I think they're just fine. But they're great they don't people. have the sort of capital built up. Right. As as right. They're great. They're great people.
0: I think a lot of them, I know a lot of them, but I, I would like to know just how much damage this really did to some of those families out there that didn't have a lot of money to begin with. Some of these people worked their whole lives to get forty, fifty thousand $50,000 saved up in the bank. And then overnight It's gone because of something, your friend, Jake Butcher down at the bank, whose family you've known for years, has screwed you out of your money and you never would have dreamed. And then the courts leave you holding the bag. I think it's a, a travesty and a tragedy. And it just goes to show you that just because that that
1: may be the law or that's legal, it doesn't mean it's right. That's a very good point. Well, Duncan, I guess we'll get back at it here in a few weeks. We don't know where Jake Butcher is today. I don't know if he's sitting above or below us, but <laughs> I certainly hope those families have been able to scrape it back. You know, they're hardworking people up there in Upper East Tennessee. They, they'll, they're pretty damn resilient, so. Anyways, Duncan, we'll talk to you later, buddy.
0: All right, Luke, sounds good, and
1: I look forward to sitting
0: down and talking about some old Tennessee political history again soon.